Episode seven of Right Where We're Sitting Now. We're at a super secret new location. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So you might hear some kids playing in the background, which is really annoying throughout this interview. But uh, we can't really control that. We've tried. We've tried. We're going to try to eke them out as much as possible. We're taking on the road, aren't we? Yeah, we're uh, on a road trip. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So I'm Ken Eakins. And I'm Paul Benneker. You actually got it right this time. Yes, I did. <laughs> I listened to the uh, previous show. Yeah. Do you see what I mean now? Yeah, I do. <laughs> oh dear. So yeah, this week's guest is Are You Serious? He's a, uh, uh, I don't know what you call him really, a kind of master of counterculture. Um, I don't know, Paul, what do you think of him? Well, he is counterculture in a way, isn't he? Yeah. I suppose so. <laughs> <Well>, that was a great... <laughs> well, the thing he does so many... Uh, there's so many subjects from culture. Culture here. He covers them all, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, he covers everything, yeah, yeah. including podcasting. Yeah. Well, let's have a look. What else do we need to talk about? The site is slowly coming together now, which is cool. We have a forum, but don't register on it yet. Well, actually, you can now. We've cho- finally chosen a forum that we like, and we're about to put the skin on. Um, our friend James will be doing that for us, and we're going to be running an advert for his service because he's the master of WordPress. And uh, yeah, we're going to record an advert. Um, well, we started recording that, but we're going to finish the advert for him soon. So we'll have that probably on the next episode. Um, what else is there, Paul? I don't know. What <laughs> else is there, Ken? <laughs> oh, dear, as you can tell, we're really prepared for today. Oh, yeah, yeah, last week. Last week, we didn't have any intro or outro on the show. No. No? And why was this, Paul? I was away somewhere, and you had a bad tooth. <laughs> That's basically it. Yeah, we had a, I had a infected tooth, which meant that I sound like looked and sounded like the Godfather every time I spoke. It was ridiculous. Yep. And, and you uh, still did an interview. Yep. Like soldiered on. Yeah. On the barricades. <laughs> yeah. Paul was uh, down. <laughs> I was down. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we're still looking for contributors. As you've probably noticed, we've got a girl called Claire contributing to the blog now. She's also going to probably start contributing to the podcast uh, soon. I uh, shall be contributing some, I hope. Yeah. On the blog. As if Paul can get out of bed <laughs> to actually I'll, do it. I'll make that effort. Uh, what else is there to do? Yeah, so, uh, there's also a MySpace link now, so you can subscribe to us on MySpace. 
and uh, you can listen actually you can listen to all the episodes on there as well we uh, use the podcast pickle player and we always play their adverts in return on the show so yeah check out podcast pickle but um, also there's no excuse now not to listen to our show there's no. <laughs> about 100 million ways to listen to it now yeah. we're pretty much on every I spent an entire day pretty much adding us to every podcast directory ever and you can play it that way you can play it directly from the site directly from the posts we've got the little pickle player on our thing both from MySpace yeah, so it's all pretty good. We're also doing it every week. I mean, it's, yep. it's not just a test anymore. No. It's just here to stay. It's here to stay. <laughs> yeah. So, Paul, what have you been up to, anyway? Just reading about, are you serious? <laughs> Listen to his shows and... Uh, really? Trying to find out as much as I could. Yep. About the man. About the man. Yeah, he's an interesting character, as you'll find out. Oh, and next week we've got a really cool guest um, with Nick Pope. He used to work for the Ministry of Defence. He's our first British yeah. guest, isn't he? <laughs> first British guest. So yeah. just to prove we're not uh you know, Americanist or Englishist or whatever. Well, I guess this is how it works, the Americans interview the British and uh, we interview the Americans. Yeah, something along those lines. But um yeah, Nick Pope used to be he used to work for the Ministry of Defence and his job was to investigate UFO claims, I believe. And uh, he's a cool guy. He's written a few books. He's always on TV. He's an interesting guest. So we're going to be interviewing him. And that'll be on the next episode, episode eight. We've got some other cool stuff coming up. <clears throat> We've got a music episode. We were going to do that now, but um, I thought it was best to wait until we got proper permission from all the labels. We've got permission from most of them. We just need to wait for a couple of more. And then we're, we're going to do different episodes about different types of music we like and uh, that would be cool we might even do label specials that might be an idea. yeah I think that's a good idea yeah so we could do like Hydrahead and Ipecac and that sort of stuff that'd be cool but yeah I guess we should uh, probably go speak to Are You Serious so uh, we'll um, speak to you after that interview okay okay bye bye <laughs> Are you serious? Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it, man. Thank so, you. Um, Thanks for having me. <laughs> I was going to say, just for the listeners that might not have heard of you, could you give us like a kind of a brief biography of yourself? Oh well, let's see. I was born in uh, 19th century France to a Parisian whore named Babette. Um, no, seriously. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I, I started. I'm probably best known for uh, starting a magazine in the early 90s. At least I'm uh, best known. Uh, to a certain generation called Mondo 2000, uh, which sort of self-identified as a cyberpunk magazine or uh, sort of a, a new magazine of the uh, digital psychedelic uh, culture that, that sort of crashed together um, around that time in the early 90s. I've written a bunch of books. Um, and uh, let's see, I ran a uh, writing campaign for president of the United States in, in 2000, um, right for um, Tenzin Monkeys, a uh, webzine that has been uh, pretty popular, uh, done some podcasting. Um, going way back, I was in the uh, Yippies in the early 70s, and uh, uh, punk rock band in upstate New York in the late 70s and uh, oh yeah I wrote a book uh, one of my books is called Countercultures Through the Ages which I think you guys uh, said you were going to want to talk about and, yeah uh, that's actually written under my real name Ken Goffman and it's uh, sort of a uh, yeah, pretty straightforward in some ways uh, history of uh, 
anti-authoritarian, antic uh, sort of uh, movements through human history that had a, uh, you might say, a sense of humor and a uh, prankster edge. Some of them uh, spiritual movements, political movements, art movements, and, and so forth. So that's uh, pretty much my, my confused personal <laughs> history. Cool, cool. I was just looking myself up on the internet so I could remember who I was. <laughs> Wikipedia's handy. Yeah, that's not that well done on Wikipedia, but it's more or less true, so at least that's good. Do you ever find yourself editing your own page? Um, I've resisted the temptation up to up to this point, um, but I, it's getting more accurate. Somebody is getting in there and um, making it a little bit better than it, uh, than it was at first. I was going to ask you about your name, actually, because I think there's quite a, a funny or interesting story about how you got the name Are You Serious? Yeah, a little uh, doggies from Sirius uh, landed on my eggs one morning over breakfast. Um, I, I was reading uh, very much into uh, Robert Anton Wilson and uh, his uh, Cosmic Trigger book, of course, uh -huh. uh, where he talks about contact, contact uh, with uh, Sirius. Uh, and mentions uh, several people who had uh, contact, including uh, John Lilly and Alistair Crowley. Um, and then I was starting a uh, magazine called High Frontiers that eventually mutated into Mondo 2000. And I, I just sort of put the, the name uh, sort of as a, a joke on the zeitgeist, if you will, or, you know, and nothing too, too serious about it, <laughs> to, uh, to coin a phrase. Um, but, uh, yeah, they just uh, popped into my head, and I thought it was amusing. Uh, everybody who was associated with the magazine at that time uh, took their own names, uh, this sort of like uh, magical sense of humor names or something like <laughs> Somerset. There was Somerset Mau Mau, there was Amalgam X, and uh, Lord Knows, and Queen Moo, uh, who uh, later became fairly well-known with me. Uh, for uh, publishing Monday 2000. Yes, that, that ran for, for a few years, didn't it, uh, Monday 2000? Well, it was uh, uh, sort of successful from about 90 to 93, and then it kind of petered out. Uh, but Allison, though, uh, rather uh, pseudonymous uh, Queen Moo, uh, went on uh, managing to get about one issue out a year until 1998. Yeah. But the core, the core of the thing was from about ninety to, to ninety three. What could you expect in like a, you know, in an issue? Oh well, we did whatever the hell we wanted. I mean, I think we were in many ways one of the few magazines that just uh, we went anywhere we wanted. Uh, so on, on one level, it was uh, as I said, this collision of uh, tech culture, uh, you know, digital movement and psychedelia and. Uh, maybe sort of proto-transhumanism, the idea that the human beings can actually mutate into uh, a performance-enhanced different kind of species, and all that kind of stuff was in there. But then we also did interviews with, like, Daniel Johnston, uh, hmm. uh, or, you know, Diamante Galas. I mean, we just went to any, anywhere we wanted, really. So it was, it was pretty anarchic, and uh, we always had uh, kept a sense of humor, in a sense of the absurd, and uh, uh, people couldn't tell whether our articles were uh, true or not, which is something we're very proud of to this day. <laughs> so Robert Anton Wilson did every now and then as well. <laughs> so, yeah, in, in the Operation Mindfuck uh, vicinity, although we did do some uh, 
straightforward journalism uh, in, in there as well. Ah. And you can there's a website that has uh, I'm not sure if it's official or not actually, but um, there's a website that has a few issues up, isn't there? I think you can find it uh, yeah by searching on Google for Mondo 2000. I think I haven't looked for it in a long time, but uh, uh, and you can buy uh, back issues on um, Amazon. All ah, right. And, uh, actually, there's a uh, few people who have piles of back issues. Uh, Morgan Russell, uh, Joey. Uh, and I'm sure they'd love to get them on sale if there was uh, any demand for them. Oh, because um, well, they bought up uh, uh, our warehouse full of uh, magazines a while back. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. We can. Uh, um, and they're and they're all over in Europe, so uh, you should be able to uh, just tell them to get get those magazines around over there. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're they're dated in some ways, but they're uh, very entertaining and. Uh, Full of energy, and the design is uh, very, very trippy. And at the same time, very slick. They're kind of like a, of a, a social sort of document like, of the time. Yeah, <laughs> sort of like a Vanity Fair, Fair meets the San Francisco Oracle or something like that. <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah, cool. Well, we'll link that up on the site, so we can, you know, we'll have a, have a look around, see where you can get them, and put a link up with the episode. Yeah. Uh, but I think one of the things I want to talk to you today about is because we haven't really spoken to anyone except maybe Ivan Stang about this, but um, kind of what counterculture actually is, because <laughs> there seems to be a lot of different definitions floating around. I'm interested in what you define counterculture as. Um, you know, I, I, I think you know we, we may be at the point in human civilization where uh, the word is questionable because there's no culture to be countered to. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think things are so uh, dispersed and, and decentralized and uh, sort of uh, lacking in focus and at the level of uh, whatever might even be called the mainstream, uh, lacking in, in any sort of uh, uh, ethical sensibility or, or anything like that. that uh, uh, it's very hard to talk in terms now of, uh, of like an opposition and a mainstream and all that. It's, it's all rather confused. Mm. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I think throughout uh, history, I mean, my idea is, um, is that it's uh, anti-authoritarian in a way that is uh, playful and um, gives uh, individuals and groups uh, a lot of room for uh, uh, expressing creativity and uh, having spontaneity, which is something that I think is uh, very missing, at least here in the uh, U.S. I mean, you've said earlier that counterculture has obviously become less possible now. <laughs> um, but how would you say it did change from, say, like the kind of what the more famous '60s or '70s counterculture up until like recently? Well, I, you know, I had a sort of public uh, discourse or, or uh, mainstream lives previous to the uh, 1960s, certainly uh, here in the U.S., were very constrained in ways that uh, we can't even imagine. Um, just, I mean, in terms of uh, uh, the idea of premarital sex was actually shocking in the 1950s and in the 1960s. Mm. Obviously, that you know there was uh, a certain amount of premarital sex or extramarital sex going on uh, through all human history, including even in the 1950s. <laughs> uh, 
but uh, you know, it was the subject of dialogue, and uh, probably a majority of people will somehow avoided it. Um, uh, so I mean, just on, on that level, at the level of sexual honesty and openness and, and language and uh, uh, the possibility of people uh, varying away from uh, their their religion of uh, birth and uh, uh, deciding to practice other forms of uh, religion or spirituality from from you know any place uh, any place in the world, any time in history. Uh, you know, on and on and on and on. I mean, you couldn't have, a, certainly couldn't have had a Burning Man, uh, you know, kind of uh, wild, surreal, participatory uh, celebration in the uh, mm. desert uh, back before all this stuff happened. So, I mean, it's so much is is reflective of so-called counterculture. That I mean, it's, it's so integrated into our culture now. Uh, Typical rock festivals that you know uh, uh, tour the country and tour Europe and so forth, uh, which uh, we now probably consider passe, would have been considered incredible statements of uh, nonconformity hmm. uh, 20, 35 years ago. I mean, Glastonbury they'd have been writing about it, you know, in Time magazine as a historic event. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and now it's just you know uh, taken taken for granted. Yeah, I mean, me and Paul were talking about this earlier on, and it seems that a lot of what was counterculture has now become you know, quote unquote mainstream. <laughs> it just seems to get hijacked all the time. Yeah, it's like counterculture creates a new thing, and then mainstream culture then sort of hijacks it and uh, and kind of. It it takes them about thirty seconds, I think, to uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, to take some new uh, cultural energy, you know, hip hop poetry or whatever, and uh, uh, you see it in the McDonald's commercial. Yeah, it's kind of uh, you know, within within seconds, and you know, uh, they're not quite you know creating it yet, but they're you know they're cool hunting. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, the uh, culture that, that gives you uh, Britney Spears and, and uh, uh, provides sort of mainstream garbage that, uh, or, or you know, allegedly mainstream garbage that's out there. Any, any hint to people that uh, it might be a cool idea to be a little hip and take drugs, you know, yeah. uh, even if it's coming through an advertisement, it might uh, be moving us uh, somewhere towards the future. Yeah. I think it was on a, a, a documentary by Douglas Rushkoff I watched recently, um, where they actually had people that you said like cool hunters. I think that go out and actually get paid to go out and find what's cool and sort of commercialize it. That's kind of creepy. I Absolutely, think. yeah, yeah. They came to see me in the mid '90s, actually. I think I was uh, not very helpful though, because <laughs> I was just going, going through a period of not paying attention to it very much. Mm. You know, uh, but uh, yeah, that, that was a great uh, that was a great piece. That was uh, Frontline Merchants of Cool. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very, very well done. Definitely, yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. I think you can actually watch it for free off the site. I think there's a link somewhere on there that lets you watch both the documentaries free now, which is pretty good. So It's probably up on YouTube and, and pieces or whatever else. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering, actually, um, we're talking about counterculture. I mean, one group recently that caught my attention, at least, is this anonymous group. I don't know if you've have you heard anything about these guys? or. Yeah, I did a, a course on uh, pranking um, for the Maggie Logic Institute, a group that formed around uh, Robert Anton Wilson to do online courses, and uh, some people from this anonymous group uh, were on there. Um, I think they were pranking Scientology at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, they still are. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it seems quite. I think that's quite unique, though. This, you know, this group that's just kind of like birthed completely from the internet. Though it's never really kind of happened before. I don't think it's in an activist sense, at least as far as I can tell. Sure. Yeah, I know there may be uh, predecessors to it, but it, it's definitely a, a very cool, cool way of uh, going about it. Well, I mean, there's there's certainly a lot of anonymity uh, within the prankster culture. You have the Billboard Liberation Front uh, here in San Francisco, and been a number of uh, of pranksterish uh, movements. And so, I mean, graffiti was was actually anonymous in its, in its own way although people were, were creating alter egos or whatever yeah so have you never been tempted to put a viva vendetta mask on then and go to your local Scientology <laughs> yeah no I'd, I'd love to do that actually. <laughs> yeah okay um, I don't want to carry it on the plane with me though <laughs> yeah okay well we're going to um, take a quick break now uh, I'm going to play some music and some promos for other podcasts and uh We'll come back with Are You Serious a bit later on. Airy Radio, opening the door to the unknown. Listener feedback. Really looking forward to the new episodes, so keep up with your work, guys. Thanks. Interviews. There's so many movies, so many documentaries, even books that come out that have factual information in it that maybe, you know, this is a gradual way of, of kind of educating the public to as to what's going on. Visit Erie Radio at www.erieradio.com. Listen up, Lackeys, I pickled my liver and clogged my heart and fried my kidneys. Now at the bottom of the slide, you more or less tell me you can't fried me to the top of the
Scott, I've uh, I've kind of decided to become a superhero now. A superhero. Yeah, like you know, like a full, I'm um, like saving people, burning buildings, pretty ladies, stuff, you know, all that stuff, all that good stuff. Really? Well, what's your superhero name? Um, awesome man. Wow. Uh, don't quit your day job. Hey, this is Scott. And this is Ben, and we're your hosts for Two Geeks and Mike in a Podcast. The show where we discuss all the latest news and rumors in the entertainment industry, all from a geek's perspective. The only perspective that matters. Join us on the web at geekshow.us. Or become our friends at MySpace at myspace.com slash two geeks. Two geeks and Mike in a Podcast. We're here to save your day. Okay, well, we're back. There's a, yeah. a really long break, that one. <laughs> and, uh, I thought that song was too long, man. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I hate those long guitar songs. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, yeah, thanks for, again for coming on the show, uh, talking sure. about Are You Serious? Um, I was gonna, Actually, I think Paul had a question about when you ran for president. Yeah, my question was about the 2000 US yeah. candidacy and how did you get to actually do that? I mean, it's not an easy thing, is it? Especially in these days, you need to be filthy rich to do that, isn't it? Well, I was filthy, so I was halfway there. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, no, I mean, I didn't really do anything. I just announced, uh, asked people to, to write me in. Um, I didn't get on any ballots or anything like that. Um, you know, started a website, uh, you know, it's well-known enough to... Uh, get some attention, published a book, actually a Little Red Book, modeled uh, directly after Chairman Mao's Little Red Book. I even had a little uh, thing coming out of it, the, the little red thing uh, coming out of it that you use as a bookmark. Uh, but I the joke was pretty much lost probably on people under 30. I don't know who Chairman Mao is. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, I just, just did it, had a you know, website, did a lot of interviews. I have no idea how many... Uh, Votes I garnered, but I think maybe it was a spoiler for Ralph Nader. Um, basically, a uh, way of getting myself out there to, to talk about political issues and ideas. Uh, I had a 10 point program, which I completely forget at this point, <laughs> uh, but uh, I thought they were ideas that uh, could help uh, resolve uh, uh, political problems in, in the United States. And, thought they were pretty good ideas. Uh, so, I mean, there, there was nothing to it. I think the yeah. uh, the most important thing which seems to have come out of it was the um, idea of open source politics. Um, I was wondering yeah. if you could elaborate a bit on, on that. Well, I, actually, I uh, wrote a uh, piece for Tenzin Monkeys uh, proposing the idea of an open source party um, and uh, now there's even a uh, website there, mondoglobo.name, I believe. And uh, actually, I've uh, spent the last three weeks with, with my head in a box uh, uh, working on a book. Uh, so I haven't even looked at what's going on the site myself uh, <laughs> at, this, at this moment. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the idea is, and I think in some sense uh, Barack Obama understands all this. Uh, the idea is organizing uh, from the bottom up, uh, distributed uh uh, political, in some sense, organize a platform like you organize a wiki with uh, everybody participating and uh, 
Uh, you can distribute power. Uh, you can distribute ways of moving actual goods and services around through uh, uh, the internet and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, there have been a lot of suggestions uh, over the last seven or eight years that uh, open source ideas could be uh, applied to politics. And I guess I mean that the uh, main thing there is transparency, um, that uh, everything be out in the open and that everybody be able to uh, look at what the uh, program is and be able to uh, understand it and change it and move it around. I mean, then, then you get into the area of capital and um, money and all that, and uh, most people don't know where that comes from and how it's uh, generated and, and who uh, puts it out into the system uh, that allows it to represent value and so forth. And something like that, if that becomes open source and, and well understood, uh, I think it could open a vast reservoir of wealth and uh, uh, different ways of allowing people to go forward and do projects and, and so forth by uh, creating mutual agreements around uh, what the signifier for uh, wealth and exchange can be. Uh, might be a, a ways off, but it's uh, something I think that's actually inevitable eventually. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. Um, what is the... Um what are the intentions of the open source party in the future? Okay. I mean, pretty much at this point, just to uh, start creating a uh, dialogue around ideas that uh, could make uh, politics more more transparent and more participatory and being able to use uh, the internet to, to be able to do that. And, I mean, the real simple stuff like uh, uh, right now, uh, digital technology is uh, being used in a way that makes it uh, more difficult to uh, have uh, accurate votes and real, real democracy, but it should uh, be able to make it easier um, by using data encryption and so forth, and people can uh, work from home and vote from home. But, and, you know, if I can get into specific proposals and more vague general uh, ideas about how, how things uh, should move. But uh, right now, it's not about trying to get candidates together or anything. It's, it's really just a, uh, a dialogue and, and discourse and, and trying to, to work up some ideas and, and get more people to participate in it. And do you think this could be applied on a, on a large scale? Because it seems that open source seems to be uh, fragmenting uh, Groups of people, and uh, like with Anonymous, it basically created a sect from uh, from an open source group. Yeah, I think I, I met somebody from I think it was Hungary who's uh, working on some project that uh, uh, in a similar vein that's getting some response uh, in Eastern Europe. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's 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 going to be an, an emerging factor. You know, people. Uh, uh, particularly uh, younger generations just aren't buying uh, top-down anything. So I, I think it, it's inevitable that uh, uh, politics will, will also be infected by, by open source cultures. Yeah, yeah that's, that's interesting. I was going to uh, just take you off the subject, actually, of open sourceness now and uh, ask you about... Uh, Obviously, the, the the name of our website, right where you're sitting now, is uh, uh, an ode to Robert Anton Wilson. He's my favorite right. writer, and you are quite. Were you quite close with Rob, with Bob Wilson, or? 
I was reasonably friendly with him. I wouldn't say I was uh, super close with him, but uh, you know, I went to parties and visited his house here, here in America. Um, so, uh, yeah, we weren't like major buds or anything like that. I was actually sort of uh, uh, on, on a personality level or, or whatever. I was uh, closer with uh, Leary. But, All right. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I knew the guy and uh, loved loved him dearly and uh, loved his his writing uh, so much. And you know, he, uh, uh, he really uh, kicked any any possibility for uh, dogmatism uh, completely out of, of of the ballpark. There, as uh, far as I'm concerned, I know one of my favorite ideas from him. Uh, uh, somebody says the uh, prover proves what the thinker thinks, and uh, whenever anybody's trying to persuade me of anything, I think of that. And yeah. I think that might have been a variation off of Korzybski, actually. But, yeah. Uh, it's a marvelous, marvelous uh, thing to remember. Yeah, no, it's really. Good. I mean, w- would you say that Wilson influenced your own writing? Um, I don't know how much he influenced my writing. I, I was, I kind of started uh, playing around with text in, in the early 70s uh, before I knew who he was. Um, and, you know, it's the sort of thing that in some ways your voice just comes from inside you and it's hard to say what influences you. I think maybe uh, reading Howl by Allen Ginsberg um, might have uh, had a strong influence on, on how I write and maybe uh, reading some of the Dadaist manifestos early in life and uh, maybe reading uh, Revolution for the Hell of It by Abby Hoffman. A lot of people get into Robert Anton Wilson nowadays still, don't they? They still, you know, people still seem to find his books and uh, do you think that um, he's kind of left a lasting impression on the kind of the, the subculture he occupies? Um, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, he's sort of a, a hidden treasure. I mean, it's extraordinary to me. He, um, when he died, there were almost no obituaries uh, in any mainstream newspapers or magazines. Oddly, there was one in the New York Times, uh, but pretty much nowhere nowhere else. Uh, but I think, I mean, there are uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, people, maybe even a million or more, who have been uh, profoundly influenced by, by the way. And you, you see him, uh, his influence pop up in uh, television and movies and stuff like that in funny ways, like in a movie to number 23. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or uh, even in Max Heber, the, net, the network, uh, the network 23, and uh, um, you, you see a lot of uh, sort of sort of blinking acknowledgments of uh, Bob all, all throughout the culture. Um, absolutely. Yeah. He used to uh, always say the X-Files ripped him off, I remember, in interviews. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure the X-Files Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, so a lot of less people probably join cults because of it. <laughs> it was you know, hippies, hippies used to join cults. Yeah. 
Not so much anymore, sometimes, but not, not as much. That's probably the, the, in, the internet playing this part there, I think. But, yeah, <laughs> a lot of options also, yeah. Um, one person you mentioned earlier on, I, I wouldn't mind talking to you about for a bit, is uh, Timothy Leary. Now, we've never actually really kind of spoken about Leary before, so I was wondering if you could kind of uh, talk about how you got to know him and like kind of what impression he left on you, I guess. Um, well, I, I met him in uh, Rochester, New York in the late 70s, but um, um, actually participated in uh, the evolution of Mata 2000 which started as an anything called High Frontiers uh, right from the beginning in 1984. It's always incredibly generous and uh, uh, sort of a uh, contagious uh, energy vector, um, particularly uh, in the 80s, uh, but even into the 90s. Um, uh, sort of the, the kind of person you'd hang out with for a little while and uh, you'd feel very good about uh, life and very energized and optimistic for uh, a couple months after that. Um, and and I, I was very influenced by his writing and Robert Anton Wilson's writing in, in the mid-70s, um, neuropolitics and the, the whole idea of, uh, of uh, deprogramming and uh, reprogramming uh, consciousness and, and all of that, uh, plus their, their uh, technological progressivism. Uh, which was where in the uh, counterculture at that time most people were, you know, uh, felt technology as this uh, thing that uh, run by the man uh, mm. that uh, was coming to get them. And uh, Leary and Wilson and a few other people, Stuart Brand uh, from the whole catalog, uh, William Burroughs from, from his perspective, all offered uh, a different idea of technology and offered a, an evolutionary idea, a mutational idea um, that uh, we're in the uh, process of uh, changing what it is to uh, be a human being. Yeah. Um, they did that in the mid-70s, I'm still uh, influenced that to the, by that to this day. Uh, start about to uh, start editing an online web name, scene called H+, which stands for Human Plus, uh, which is kind of a uh, transhumanist magazine uh, about uh, uh, how human beings uh, may be changing uh, biologically or uh, may be impacted by artificial intelligences that are uh, greater than our own uh, uh, and so forth. Um, and uh, uh, I always, uh, I, I, I tend to believe that, that if there is a hope uh, for human beings, uh, it has to come in the form of, uh, of actually technologically hacking uh, what we are and who we are uh, so that uh, certain forms of uh, aggression uh, are no longer um, necessary. Uh, it's just, just one aspect of human beings. Yeah. Uh, the aggression. There, there are other elements that. But uh, yeah, back to, back to Leary. Uh, he wrote this wonderful uh, future history series in uh, the mid and late 70s, uh, which might be a little hard for people uh, today to, to quite uh, get and understand uh, because he put a lot of emphasis on the idea of space migration, which is uh, uh, coming, coming along very slowly. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you can get past some of that, uh, you, can, you can find that uh, a lot of the ideas are, are very valid and uh, mind-dependent.
Yeah, it was it Smile? Is that what it was called? Space Migration. Yeah, Smile, Space Migration, Intelligence Increase, and uh, Life Enhancement, uh, Life Extension, rather. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if you uh, follow, you know, uh, some of the stuff that's gone on in science and technology and so forth today, uh, two of those things, Intelligence Increase and uh, Life Extension, are uh, very hot right now. Yeah, and, definitely, uh, yeah. Very much mainstream, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, two of the three bad, I guess. So. <laughs> it's pretty good. I think it's the weird thing about Leary is a lot of people seem to only, well, a lot of people outside of the kind of, I guess, almost the subculture seem to think of him as just that guy that got in trouble for acid. Where actually, right. he, he did a lot more. I mean, it's, uh, I'd like to do a whole show on him at some point, actually, but it's, uh, He's an interesting guy, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely a complex man with a, a complex life who went to a lot of different uh, places. With us, got uh, labeled the acid guru, uh, which I mean, to some extent, might be fair uh, as far as the '60s go. Uh, but then uh, went on from there to get involved in a, in a whole lot of things, including the stuff I just described. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you, you might know this, this is something that's been kind of bugging me for a while, and I've, I've kind of put a lacklustre amount of effort into actually looking on the internet about it, but Leary mm. was interested in um, virtual reality, wasn't he? And I, I was just wondering, how, how is, I don't know if you keep an eye on it, but do you know if it's progressed at all, or is it just a sort of dropped project generally? Well, I mean, it, <laughs> virtual reality, I and mean, the stuff that the Jaron Lanier, who was uh, very famous uh, for a while, and there was this huge public hype about virtual reality, about the idea of virtual reality. Uh, and there were these rough uh, sort of three-dimensional systems that they you could strap on your goggles and, uh, uh, you know, I, I almost sort of start singing something from Tommy, that uh, <laughs> uh, you, know, you know where to put the cork. But uh, um, uh, you, you could, uh, yeah, you could you go into a three-dimensional space uh, using, using most of your from most of your eyeballs so way back then. And uh, people thought it was going to evolve into an entertainment medium and uh, something where people can go in and share realities and all that kind of stuff. Uh, where it's gone is it's uh, gone into uh, uh, getting oil out of the ground. Uh, it's gone into uh, medical practices. It's gone into architectural practices. It's uh, um, gotten somewhat more sophisticated, but uh, not that much uh, better. But uh, there's a rumor which I'm uh, working on on digging up that there's going to be a uh, huge breakthrough. Um, and uh, somebody who I know who uh, tends to uh, have good information, but also tends to get a little overexcited, says, you know, we're going to have the matrix in a couple of years. So when he says that, I'll say, you know, we're going to have the matrix in 20 years, maybe. But there's something. Some, some some new things are evolving in that area, and I guess I mean people uh, have vivid enough imaginations that they're uh, satisfied with uh, Second Life, or, or you know, I mean that's a kind of uh, virtual reality. Yeah, it's a horrible virtual reality, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm not uh, too fond of it. <laughs> it's kind of like. They seem to be these sort of uh, M, what the MMORPGs, I think they're called, aren't they? Seem to be really taking off at the moment. I'm wondering if. Uh, I don't know why that is, if you have any idea on why these things seem to be kind of doing so well. Like World of Warcraft, it's huge, isn't it? So. Yeah, well, like I say, people have uh, their imaginations and they, and they want to play these uh, interactive games with uh, one another, uh, perhaps because um, 
they're powerless in real life, uh, uh, and uh, so they can be super agents of uh, some sort. Uh, <laughs> they can have an agency in uh, the, the second life. So used to be, I guess, in the early 90s, uh, there were all the uh, enhancements and the all the futuristic uh, ideas about uh, enhancing reality and uh, even enhancing the human body. And in your last book, The uh, True Mutation, you uh, dedicate a chapter to uh, transhumanism. And uh, I was wondering if you could um, talk a bit about that. But it's not a new subject, but mostly the aspect of um, enhancing uh, the human body, the more like cyberpunk culture, the, uh, the more industrial type of uh, aspects which were which were done in the early 90s. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, there, there are definitely people who are interested in uh, still and uh, increasingly so uh, into uh, body enhancements and, and stuff like that. People are very... Uh, I interviewed a, a woman on my podcast who uh, uh, actually had this uh, sort of uh, magnetic uh, microchip uh, that uh, was coming to her finger and uh, she's able to do things like uh, point at a garage door and open it and stuff like that. And she's able to, uh, she's able to use it to, to actually hack in, in some cases, get into computer systems and, and stuff like that. Of course, there's a uh, guy, a performance artist, uh, who's been doing it forever. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, but uh, you know, people uh, adding to their to their bodies, in, in essence, uh, in new appendages. Uh, might be possible with artificial intelligence. We might have, you know, uh, intelligent appendages and, and so forth. Um, so all that stuff is is going on. There's there's a, a big culture around it. There was actually a uh, segment of Wired Online that was dedicated to that culture for a while, but uh, seems seems to have disappeared. Do you um, think there will be a a new step in uh, transhumanism in the uh Perhaps well, next decade or the next one. Yeah, I mean a lot, a lot of this stuff depends on what happens technologically, um, whether uh, sort of adding on to the uh, body in a mechanistic sense is going to uh, uh, make a lot of sense, or whether there's uh, going to be ways to uh, biologically enhance uh, people, actually, you know, uh, inject us. Something you know, uh, micro uh, nano organisms, and uh, to affect DNA at, at that level. One thing I was going to go back to when we were talking about Wilson and Leary and yourself and the way. Do you think there's a, a decline in that kind of style of writing that that you guys kind of do? I mean, there's it's, there seems to be a kind of a almost like a club of people that kind of used to write in that kind of style, like say Philip K. Dick, Burroughs, Wilson, Leary. And you and like maybe even Rushkov to an extent, but there doesn't seem to be a new wave, as, at least as far as I've seen. Anyway, there doesn't appear to be kind of a new wave of those kind of thinkers and writers releasing stuff at the moment. Do you would you agree with that? Or? Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, uh, so a lot of people associated with uh, or formerly associated with the uh, comic uh, book world seem to uh, write very interesting stuff. It's uh, I guess a different. Or distinct stylistically from the uh, material that uh, that you mentioned, although I'm not sure um, how to say exactly how. 
Um, and uh, oddly, I'm not thinking of the names of any of these people I'm uh, trying to talk about right now. Do you mean like the Invisibles, uh, things like that? The uh, Pardon? Do you mean like the comic book, The Invisibles? I think that's kind yes, of... Yes, yes. So, yeah, all, all that kind of stuff. That seems to be where a lot of the uh, uh, really brilliant uh, uh, sort of psychedelic um, uh, futuristic energy seems to, seems to be going. It seems weird um, because the internet seems to have provided people with the opportunity to kind of express themselves more, but they seem to be expressing themselves less in some ways. Yeah, well, of course, uh, you know, most uh, there's a lot of crap, and uh, a lot of the good stuff tends to uh, get uh, buried. Yeah, yeah. Keep the crap. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, uh, you know, in terms of somebody who's innovating at the uh, level of uh, Burroughs or in a funny sort of way, Philip Dick, I don't know if... if that exists now, or if, if there would be a point to uh, attempting to do that, hmm. uh, people are certainly writing uh, incredible, incredible fantasy stories and science fiction and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, that's good. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, one, I think one of the last things we were going to ask, actually two, two more things we were going to ask you. One, the first thing was um, about the Maybe Logic Academy. We've had two guests on prior to you, uh, Lon Milo Duquette and Ivan Stang. And they, I think they've both done courses as well on the uh, Maybe Logic Academy. But I was wondering, could you kind of like describe what it is? Because um, from a kind of, you know, say someone was thinking of uh, doing a course, what would they get out of the course? And what, what did you do for the Maybe Logic Academy? Well, I mean, it's, Basically, you log into a uh, discussion group. I mean, it's an online course. Um, the uh, professor, if you will, uh, usually assigns uh, some reading. Um, uh, generally, we'll probably post something at the uh, beginning of each week also for people to, to read, and we'll uh, start up uh, discussion areas where uh, said professor might uh, pontificate a little bit, and, but also just leave a wide open for uh, discussion. Um, and I mean, that's, that's the essence of it, is just you know, a big, uh, big discussion group uh, yeah. online. And uh, people seem to, to get a lot out of it. Um, you know, I mean, it's the equivalent of uh, going into a classroom in a way, except that it's quite a bit more interactive than, than most classrooms. And you don't tend to uh, lecture as much, but you tend to uh, discuss and answer questions and uh, uh, always there's uh, people there who are uh, who have expertise in the areas that uh, the uh, teacher as it will uh, uh, might lack so you get added value and added information from uh, people who who join um, so that, that's basically it it's, uh, it's uh, online discussion group uh, formatted as a, as a course. And then they have all kinds of uh, interesting people doing all kinds of subjects. I think that uh, their most popular courses tend to be on the occult and witchcraft and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, is it the same people that run the... Ma I assume it is. The same people that run the Maybe Logic Academy are the same people that made the Maybe Logic DVD? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. They made that uh, Bob Wilson uh, biographical... Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's really good. Um, definitely recommend listeners go out and, and definitely get a copy of that if they can. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I was surprised by how good, how good it was. Actually, I think they really did uh, justice to, to Bob. Yeah, it's, 
got a great soundtrack, I thought, as well. <laughs> yeah, nice soundtrack, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's something that uh, people will find pretty accessible, I think. Yeah, it's a good good introduction, definitely, to Wilson's work and stuff. But yeah, and uh, I was going to ask you, you do a podcast yourself, but it, are you still actually doing it? Because I've noticed one no, episode... No, no, we, we did it for a couple of years, and um, it was uh, supported by uh, somebody uh, financially. And uh, when he withdrew his support, I had to get busy with some other things. But I'm hoping, I, I think I may bring it back in about eight or nine months uh, for a while. Uh, we're doing two things, actually. Uh, we're doing something called the Are You Serious Show, and we're doing a show called Neophiles. Yeah. And the Neophiles are kind of uh, sort of a pretty straightforward conversation uh, between myself and somebody in the area of the technology or science or uh, consciousness. And the Are You Serious show is pretty much sort of uh, anything goes. I don't know. Uh, Howard Stern meets Baudrillard or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good script. Uh, with, uh, you know, three or four of us uh, shouting and yelling and uh, making uh, smart and stupid wisecracks. And, uh, but then also lots of really good interviews there as well. You can get those on the site still, can't you? All the episodes and yeah, yeah, you can uh, you can get all that stuff. Yeah, some of the interviews uh, we transcribed and published on Tens and Monkeys, um, and uh, you can go to tensandmonkeys.com and uh, find that. Yeah, excellent. Well, thanks a lot for doing the the interview with us. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it was fun. I was going to uh, ask you if people want to sort of find out more about you on the internet. Where's the best place to look? Ah. Uh, Jeez, it's, uh, it's pretty fragmented uh, in, in the uh, Are You Serious uh, projection into the, into the world these days. Um, you could try, actually, you go to uh, revolting.com, which is my personal website. I haven't updated it in a long time. I'm not blogging there, but uh, you can get stuff like about Are You Serious and Are You Serious on the web. Uh, and through that, you can get a uh, half facetious and a half true uh, biography of uh, <laughs> myself, and you get uh, links to articles I've written and interviews I've done that are on the internet. All right, excellent. And uh, you said you write, uh, you're working on a new book. When can we expect to see that? Uh, well, actually, there, there are a couple of things. Uh, I, uh, uh, due to uh, contractual obligations, I will say that my brother, Hassan Yusuris, uh, edited a uh, collection of Timothy Leary's uh, writings about drugs. It's called Leary on Drugs. Mm. And uh, that will be uh, published by research uh, publications. And I think it'll be out this fall. Uh, then uh, for a mainstream book publisher, uh, a book that I uh, am doing entirely for uh, money, but uh, people, I think, will find it uh, pretty funny and entertaining anyway. A book called Everybody Must Get Stoned, Rock Stars on Drugs. <laughs> and uh, that should be out in about a year. Oh, excellent. Okay. Well, again, thanks a lot for doing the interview. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Thank you. All right, we're back. That was uh, Are You Serious? We'd like to say thanks to him for coming on the show. That was cool. Yep. He's, um, Are you serious? <laughs> Can you tell me about cybernetics? I, I do my voice a bit, a bit lower. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> you got to hear me um, at- make an attempt at 
asking a question for about four minutes. Yeah, and, the longest, uh, most, felt miserably. It was the longest, most uh, unenthusiastic thing I've ever had. One of the life. most painful moments. Yeah, of my life. <laughs> <laughs> you did get to interview. Are you serious, though? That's true. We did. A man, all of us want to be. Yep, and we're all uh, we're collecting our Maple Logic Academy people now. Yeah. That's the third one now. Um, actually, we've got another one coming up in August. That's going to be quite cool. Tell me, what, you, what did you find most interesting, Paulie boy? <laughs> well, what I found most interesting was his first comment that there is no counterculture. Hmm. Why do you find that interesting? Um. <laughs> well, that's hard to say, isn't it? There's there is no, there is nothing to counter. That's the greatest comment in the whole interview. Yeah. There is no culture. Mm-hmm. You just have just potholes of counterculture, just people agreeing with each other on different matters and subjects. And uh, you resonated with that, then did you? Hmm? You resonated with that, did you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's the same with uh, what are we doing? Our Aspects of counterculture, weird, you know, voodoo and mumbo jumbo. Earlier on, you would have heard music. Well, we didn't actually tell anyone what the music was in either the intro or the interview, but it was uh, from a band called Craw. They're on. Uh, well, they've released the record recently on Hydrahead, but you can uh, download all their albums for free actually off their website, which is cool. And they're a really good band. And that song was Chop Shop <coughs> from the album Bodies for Strontium. I think that's how you pronounce it. But yeah, it was a good, good record. Check it out, craw.com, C-R-A-W.com. Very cool. Uh, next week, we have uh, Nick Pope. What do you think about Nick Pope, Paul? Well, she's going to answer the question if there are any UFOs or not. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Next week, we've got a guy who used to work for the Ministry of Defence, and his job was to investigate UFO claims. So we thought... Oh, that's not the, the that's not the most interesting part. Are there any UFOs? It's just the uh, investigations themselves and the way the government did all the uh, all the work and all the research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's some interesting questions there, which I'm sure he'll help us answer. But uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be next week. Um, I think we're going to start releasing these episodes on Monday from now on because it's midweek, so it seems a bit weird, and that way we get the whole week weekend to record and edit them and. Uh, <coughs> Yeah, so we're not rushing around in the middle of the week. So from now on, expect episodes of this podcast to come out on Monday. Which is good, because we'll try and get them out you know, late Sunday night, early Monday, so you can get them on your pod- iPods or whatever and uh, listen to them at work, which seems to be what most people do. That's how I got into podcasts, actually. Um, but yeah, so make sure you come... Oh, yeah, this is the other thing. We've got a forum, which we've just... Uh, uh, I don't think we mentioned this in the intro, did we? But no. Yeah, I think we did. Did we? Yeah, I think so. But... It's not, you did say it's not done, it's not oh, finished yet. Yeah, it's not finished yet. I mean, we've got some, the skin will go up on it soon and it will look But you can register on it. Yeah, so. yeah you can register now. Um, we're going to try and make that a cool place for people to hang out, chat, come up with ideas, give us show suggestions. But until then, I mean, you can get us on email, ken at sittingnow.co.uk. And, and Paul at sitting, you know the uh, the email. Paul at sittingnow.co.uk. That's it. Yeah. You didn't remember your own email address there. <laughs> to be honest, Paul doesn't get any emails at all. Yeah. 
That's why. Uh, and Paul's forgotten to turn his phone off as well. The goon. But anyway, yeah, sorry. Thanks for listening. <coughs> we really appreciate all the downloads and stuff, and uh, appreciate all the other podcasts playing the, our promos, Eerie Radio, and so forth. Um, we're going to be. I think we're going to be played on a Cult of Personality podcast. A really cool guy that runs that. And um, We should record more promos. Yeah, I think we're going to do some more promos. Actually, cool. Also, maybe some in. Um, Foreign languages for foreign podcasts. Um, why? Because if they can't understand the promo, then surely they're not going to understand the show. Unless we're going to translate every show. I just thought maybe a translate would make your voice sound less boring. I just, <laughs> I just thought it would be a, a good idea to um, to come up with an idea. Are you serious? I want to ask you about Oprah. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't mock you. Uh, <laughs> Why not? I'm probably actually more irritating than you, but so yeah, people probably like the break from my irritating voice. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, check us out, sittingnow.co.uk. Write us a review on iTunes as well. I didn't even know you could do that, but there's a little thing underneath uh, when you search for us on iTunes. You can uh, rate the podcast. Don't do it if it's going to be a bad rating, okay? <laughs> We don't Just want bad. Send yeah. the uh, yeah, com- do what you want. complain letter uh, email. Send them to my address at yeah. paulessittingnow.co.uk. Yeah, you remembered your own email. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Just give me anything. <laughs> right now you're giving them nothing. Nothing it's, at all. It's an empty inbox. It is, it is. Maybe people talk to us more when we've got the forum. We get yeah, a fair amount of yeah. But yeah, cool. Keep subscribing, keep listening. We, we'll keep the good guests coming. And uh, see you next week.